to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. James chapter 5, you're also going to have two other places that we're going to turn to. You know I like to do that. The first one will just be Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 5. James chapter 5 starts off with verse 1 says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosions will be witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days, and indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter, and you have condemned, you have murdered the just, he does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but yet your le- but let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, lest you fall into judgment. And so as we, we continue to press on here in James, as I was kind of introing it before and James is an is an incredible man. You know, we we've learned quite a bit about him as we've gone over. Um, James is the, obviously is the half brother of of Jesus Christ, and and as we've talked about that, just the him not knowing and believing that he was the Messiah at the very beginning, um, actually became a believer after Jesus had already had had been resurrected at that point. And so as James continues, and now he's risen up to the point of um, he's a the head. Um, pastor basically of the church of jerusalem and um and is is teaching to his his congregation and and the other believers that are there they probably didn't have a church like this it was more house to house and things like that and uh, believers getting together as we see in the book of acts but um he's looking at his church and he's looking at the other believers and again these are these are poor people we talked about that too these are these are jewish christians these were jews the first christians were jews and so as you see this this group of people who you know the the Romans looked upon down upon the Jews, and now the Jews look down upon the the Jewish Christians, and so now these are just the poorest of the poor of people. They have no they have nobody to stand for them. They have nobody that is able to to come to their defense. I mean, they just they just have each other. And as you have as you've seen and and as he has talked about, you know, he continues fifteen times. He says brethren to them. You see it twice in today's scriptures. Again, he's just trying to relate to them. Like, look, we're we're brothers. It'd be kind of like us talking in this room today and, and me looking at you guys and going, brothers and sisters, Christians, you're, we're family in here. 
You know, we may not go to the same house, we may not have the same mom and dad, you know, but but we're family. And 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 again, there's certain things that we should do as brothers and sisters in Christ for each other that that the world just doesn't understand. Why? Because we've we've got each other. And so as James is looking at this this group of people that are just dirt poor and as he and he has lashed out back in chapter 2 and and has talked to them about that as well, you know, back in 2 he says, you know, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts. You know, he was getting on them because he's like, look, you, you guys are trying to buddy up to these people who are just taking advantage of you. Why are you doing that? You know, you, you kick the, the poor person out of that seat to give somebody who's got money that, that best seat in the house. Why, why are you doing that? There's, there's nothing to be gained there. Again, it's, it's, you should just look at everybody as the same, rich, poor, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. And now as he moves into chapter 5 here, he's, he, he's, he's not against rich people now, again. Okay, so that's not the point of this. I mean, the, James is not somebody who is, who's a wealth sharer. He's not a communist, a socialist, or, or whatever that you want to, you know, today's flavor of, of, of title that you want to give him. He's not talking about that at all. I mean, again, he's somebody who understands the scripture. He understands Job was, Job was filthy rich. I mean, Job was probably the richest man in the world at the time. You've got Abraham. Abraham was not a poor man. He had lots of donkeys and camel. I mean, that was their cars back in the day, okay? So he had a, a stable of cars. He had, he had lots of servants. I mean, he had servants that he could go out to war with somebody. He had servants. I mean, that's, that's the kind of money that he had. He had to pay for all those people and feed them and take care of them. I mean, so Abraham had money. King David and Solomon. I mean, they were kings, but there's nothing against them having money. So again, James is not looking at them and saying, look, you've got money, so you're just a bad person. It's not that at all. He's, he's getting on them because he's talking to people who are not in the church. He's talking to the, the unbelievers that are out there that have all this money. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, this is not for them to read. This is not for their consumption. He's not on YouTube or on Fox News or CNN or something making a statement so everybody could hear it. He's writing a letter. They didn't have Xerox and, and copies back then, all that kind of Xerox. Like all the kids are like, what the heck is a Xerox, you know? <laughs> so he didn't have photocopies, he didn't PDF, he didn't have any of that kind of stuff. You know, he didn't have any of that stuff. He just He's writing a letter to them. The only people who will know that is the people who get this letter and read it. So he's not writing it even to them to understand what he's talking. So he's saying these things to them. He's not telling them that. This is an encouragement to the church. So as he writes these things to him, he says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. It's not actually writing it to Bill Gates. He's not writing it to those people. He's writing it to the church so they understand that he sees the things that are going on out there. You understand? I, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand your plight. I'm going through this. We're brothers. I understand what you're going through. Matthew 19, 23 through 24, James's brother, Jesus says, Assuredly I say to you, it is not easier that it, that is, it, I, surely I say to you, it is easier that, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easy when you write this and you type this in here correctly, other than, you know, mis, misdoing it. So, easier for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And again, Jesus is not, again, against rich people. He's saying, man, there's just so many temptations that are out there. It's just so hard. You know, as you start gaining wealth and you start gaining all this stuff and, you know, you see uh, Bezos or whatever the guy's name that owns Amazon, worth 40-some billion dollars, just getting a divorce. Why? Because he was cheating on his wife. 
Right? Just so many temptations that come on in the world and, well, I've got all this money and I can just literally buy anything, buy anything he wants. I mean, there's probably a couple of countries out there he could probably buy, honestly. I mean, he's just got that kind of money. He just, it just, the, the, the desires that come in there and, and then we come along and say, man, if I could just have that kind of, really? Do you want that kind of money? I mean, we, we say in our flesh, we do, well, man, Kevin, I wish I wouldn't have to, to struggle, but do you want that kind of money? I mean, cause then you've got, you know, people trying to steal from you and, and people trying to get what they can from you. And then you've got to make sure you know where it's all at and you've got to trust all these people and, and it just really, do you want that kind of money? That's why it's hard because now the temptations and you look at Solomon and, you know, he's writing his book, you know, and just talking about it. Ecclesiastes says, you know, vanity of vanities, man. It's just, what is it all worth? It's worth nothing, man. I, Delam had everything. Hey, women, yeah, I've had them all. Money, I bought whatever I wanted. I mean, just anything I wanted, just, I just had. What does it matter? Nothing matters. And that's what he gets to that, that point of his life. He's just, he's had it. He's eaten it. He's drank it. He's, he's just done it all. And what does it matter anymore? Where's the purpose behind life? James, come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. And James just tells him, look, you know, I'm just telling you flat out, man, there's, there's some miseries that are coming to you. For the things that you have done to people and the things that you've abused your money in and the things that you've used have just, I'm just telling you right now, man, there's, there's some miseries that are coming to you. There are some things that are coming your way that you don't even understand right now or know. This is all that you attained will have been eaten by moss and, and, and silver and gold will be rusted. You know, the moss, you know, it's interesting is the poor people, they didn't have to worry about moss eating their, their, their clothes. Why? Cause they probably had like one, two things to wear. I mean, so if I'm wearing it, I don't have to worry about a moth eating something that I have. But if you've got lots of clothes and you've got lots of coats and things like that, well, now all of a sudden I've got to worry about something getting in there and infesting what I've got. Gold and silver doesn't rust. I mean, you guys know that. It's a pure metal. I mean, it just doesn't rust. But it's a point where I think he's using the analogy, the analogy here is just, it is useless. That gold and silver is useless. It'll be corrupted. It'll have no value at all of what you, of what you think that you have. There'll be a time in, in, in the book of Revelation that, you know, that you, there'll be no food anywhere. And that you'll show up with just a wheelbarrow of gold for just something to eat that day. Why? Because it just... Gold has no value to it anymore. And I just, I just want to eat. I just want to, to get something within my body. I'll give you everything that I have. You look at Egypt in, in the time of Joseph and, and Joseph starts all this storing of the food and, and it gets to the point where the Egyptians, even the Egyptians are feeling it and saying, look, we, we've given you all of our stuff. Just here, take our land. Give us, I'll give you our land. Just give us some food to eat. And Joseph says, you know what? I'll, just give us this amount. You can keep the rest, but but we get to keep that. So now he, the Pharaoh's like, man, I I own I literally own almost all of Egypt. Because the people said, what does it matter if I have this land or I have this house? I mean, if I can't eat, I'm dead. It just doesn't matter anymore. Listen, rich people, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and and the corrosion will be the witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Again, as you have, have taken all this stuff in and if you've, you've gathered all this, none of this stuff matters anymore. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says, Do not lay it, Jesus speaking, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I mean, do you think James heard his brother saying this? Again, I'm telling you, you can go to Matthew and just do the Beatitudes there and you can read the Beatitudes and just translate this over to James and you're going to get most of what he wrote. James just sitting there listening to his brother to speak and, and is just taking it in going, man, you know, now I understand it. The Holy Spirit's come into me and I, man, now I'm, I'm recalling these things that my brother said and, man, that's so true. Christian church, listen, I, I'm just telling you, don't, don't gain it. Don't, don't take it all in. It doesn't matter. Verse 3 states it, it'll be a witness against you. Rich person, the thing that you've done and you've taken in your money and you haven't, you've looked at poor people and you've looked at those that are around you and you, you haven't seen their, their plight that they're in. And you just hoarded it and you just kept it and you just put it in your pocket. I don't care about what's going on there. I don't care about the person down in the street. Why? Because it's all about me. I gotta have more. And James sits there and looks at him and says, I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a witness against you. All this money that you've taken in, all these things that you've done with your money and for, for no value at all. Jesus says, why are you, why are you looking at your bank account going that that's the, that's the model of standard of what I'm going to be measured by? He says, man, you need to, to cast up crowns in heaven. Your good works that you have done to, for other people and, and the way that you have prayed and, and gotten on your knees and you've wept for people and, and the, the times that you've gone out and, and you've just ministered, ministered that, that's the things that you're going to be rewarded in heaven for. That listen, when you get to heaven, that stuff cannot be eaten by moss and it can't get rusted. It can't be destroyed by anybody. Why? Because we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be two judgments. You know, there's the white throne judgment. Um, you just, there's the, there's, the, there's going to be a judgment where those that come up there will be, you know, do you believe Jesus or not? And you're gone. You're, you're, then there's one for us that we're going to come up there and we're going to go in front of the Lord and say, man, these are my, these are my works, Lord. I present them to you. And he takes them in the fire and he burns out the ones that, you know, that are of your own flesh and your own that you kind of like pocketed already. Like, I did this for this person. And well, you don't get credit for that one, you know, and, and, but the other ones that you've done where you've just wept for somebody at night. And you've just lifted up incense and prayers to heaven. God says, oh man, that was, that was a, man, that was a good reward right there. You did a great job. And those are the things that when we get to heaven, I've told you before too, I mean, I get to heaven, I don't care. I mean, he wants to give me something, give me something. I'm already, I'm in heaven. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you want to give me something more than that, that's on you. Okay. Cause I'm not asking for it. I'm, I'm, I'm squeaking in and I'm thrilled. Okay. You want to give me something else? Are you, are you serious, Lord? For, for, and, and again, good works that he's, we've read in Ephesians a couple weeks ago. Good works that he's already prepared for us. So now he prepared these good works for us. We go and do them. And then the Lord looks at it and goes, man, I'm even going to bless you for that. And you're like, what? I mean, how does that work? You know, like here's a winning number to lottery. Wink, wink, go cash it in. Get it. And you're like, how did that happen? And Jesus just looks at you and says, come on into heaven, man. And look, this is what you get. Oh God, you're, you're just amazing. How you just, you just give to us and you, you give grace to us and you just love on us and just, and just, oh man, what did we do to deserve this? Nothing. It's just God being God and just, and just pouring out to his love and his grace to us. Calvin states, your, your riches perish without being of any use either to others or even yourself. 
you know, you've read the stories in the paper or on the web for the young kids or in YouTube or some meme or something like that where some lady will die and or some man will die and he just looks like he's absolutely poor. I mean, just wasted away to nothing, lives in some little shack, and then they go in his house and they find, you know, 400 stocks to Apple and all these other – I mean, he's a millionaire. But he was living like he was poor. So all this money that they had, just, just there's no news to him, no news to somebody else afterward. I mean, it's just, it's just nothing. So as we take in this stuff, it's your 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 riches perish. They're not even worth anything to anybody. It's just it's just 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 junk. Jesus says, no, don't do that, man. Just just pour into somebody's life and 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 help them, bless them now, and then you get blessed later in life as well when you go to heaven and you get to rejoice in that. Verse four says, and indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which which you kept back by the fraud, and cry out and. And the cries of the reapers which have um, reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury and you've, you've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter and you've condemned and you've murdered the just and he does not resist you. And James accuses them here in verse 4 first of, of theft. You know, there's, there's something that we've gone out and we've worked and, and, and then they've kind of held back some of the money. You know, they, they didn't give him everything that they had earned or that they deserved for the labor that they had done. You know, in, in verse five, there's, there's indulgence. So now they've taken, they've taken this money that you've lived at the earth in pleasure and luxury and you've, you've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You know, so some of this money, they're rich already and then they're, they're, they're stealing from the poor just to make themselves even fatter and richer and, and just, they just continue to this, this circle of just getting more and more as, as these poor people are out here working hard in the, the height of the day. You know, these are farmers that are going out and just, just working in the field. I mean, it, anybody outside yesterday, I mean, it, it's spring and it was already hot. You know, I mean, you're just out there sweating. I mean, can you imagine when it's, it's July and August and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going outside until like eight tonight. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But there's laborers who go out there and just work all day long. Even here in the state of Florida. And they go out there and they work hard. They, they deserve their, their labor for that day, their wage for that day. And James says, no, you're holding back from them just for your own indulgence to have more. Verse 6, he says, you, you've been condemned and you've, you, you have condemned and you have murdered the just. So they've gone out and they've, they've, they've played the judge and they've condemned these people and then they've, they've had them murdered. The just. The people like you and I. You've got these people that have got a lot of money. Well, then they get mad at this person and then they get to play judge and they get to act within their life and, and take them to court and then they either get to have them killed or maybe they get to steal the rest of what they have. I mean, it's just, it's just a perpetual thing that you see throughout history. Again, now look, not all rich people are bad people. I mean, I don't see Bill Gates going and taking people to court and having them killed. I mean, you know, Bill Gates gives a lot of money out. I mean, I think he's lost as, as anybody, but I mean, it's, but he, it's not like he's abusing his money. So I'm not against all rich people. We, but again, there are those that we all know that we're talking about and see where they just use it to abuse it. Countries do the same thing. Countries use d- different events within the world to be able to posture themselves to be able to gain more power. That's just what countries do, right? They just You want your country to be in a better position, so they, they do that to use the opportunity. The lifestyles of rich and famous, Robin Leach. You guys remember Robin Leach? And we would sit there and watch this show, okay, of just, of this, these ultra super rich people who would have like solid gold 
you know, faucets on their bathtub. You know, I mean, just stuff like that. You're like, why do you just live so opulent for? I mean, what, what is the purpose behind that? Why? Because they're just super rich. It'd be like the Kardashians today or whoever, you know. But we would sit there every week, you know, you'd come on, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person lives like that. You know, they've got this super big house up in the mountains and they've got, you know, 40 cars and Lamborghinis and, you know, everything else. And, but we would sit there and we would watch it. Why were we just in awe of how could somebody live like that? And James is sitting there looking and says, you know, you've, what are you doing? You're just getting fatter and you're just taking it in. And, and I, and I've spent a lot of time on this, but I want you to understand the heart behind James here. As he looks at his, his, his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, he's looking at them saying, look, these, these are the things that they are doing. And I, and I hear you and I understand. I want you to understand. I, I, I see the things that are happening and they're happening to me and they're, they're happening to all of us. And yes, we all know that they are just, they're just abusing the system and they're just getting richer off of us and they're just, they're just taking advantage of it. It is a hard time to be a believer today. I understand that. But he also says, look, it's, it's, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for us. And part of that is, is, is he starts off with, you know, verse seven, he says, therefore, therefore, everything that I have just preached on for the last 15, 20 minutes, therefore, because of all of that, because of all the rich that they've done, and because, look, I, there's, there's a, there's a judgment that's coming upon them. I'm telling you right now, I understand that. Therefore, be patient. And, and I think he almost probably said it kind of like that too. It was, he's getting all riled up in his, his letter and he's probably dotting eyes and, or however they write in Hebrew and he's just going at it and, and he's just, he's, he's wound up. I mean, he's just ready there and he says, listen, therefore, Christian, brother, be patient. And you say, well, how, how can I be patient? I, I can't. I mean, you see the things that are going on within my own family and, and you see the things that they're doing. It's just not right. It's wrong. Well, be patient is to, to preserve patiently and, and bravely. It's an enduring misfortunes and troubles. It's being able to take a deep breath and step back from the situation and, and not to act out in what's going on. It doesn't mean to be weak. It doesn't mean to just allow somebody just to roll over you all the time. Again, it just means to stop, wait, be patient. He says, brethren here again, and this is the, the, the fact that he uses brethren again 15 times in this book, twice that we'll hear it today, is, is listen, brothers. And it, and it's an endearing word. And again, he's trying to make sure that he under, that I am, I'm one of you, brothers, listen. Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, listen to me. Please be patient. You remember in verse 2 of chapter 1, he said, consider it pure joy when we go through trials. He says, look, I already wrote back to the beginning of the letter. If you go back there and said, look, we're, we're supposed to consider it joy. If you go back to that, when we talked about it, it was, what was he trying to, to build up in us? It was a little toughness that he wanted Christians to have at that time. Look, we, we need to be tough, right? Remember we talked about that in chapter one? Is that the fact that, you know, consider it pure joy when we go through these, because life is hard. Life is difficult. And I think as the older as you get, you, you realize, as you look back, man, it, it, and sometimes it's not fair. You look at people that are super rich and you're like, well, that's not, that. they're not, what is that? Why, why do they get to have that and, 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 and we don't? Well, some of us do. Lord promises to take care of their needs that you have today. He says, consider it pure joy 
goes on in that verse and he says, until the coming of the Lord. We're going to hold off talking about that because he's going to mention it a couple more times here. But he gives us an example here as we're waiting patiently for that time to come. He says, look, look at the farmer. See how the farmer waits for precious fruit and fruit from the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Listen, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And he gives us an example here of the farmer and how it typically over there it rains in the, in the springtime and the autumn time. So he gets two good rains a year and as, and as the farmer goes out and he's, he's planting the seed and he's tilling the ground and he's doing all this work and he's waiting for those two big times of the year for the rain to come. He doesn't know the date. Oh, it's April 21st. It's supposed to rain today. You know, it doesn't happen that way. We know that we live in Florida. So I mean, it's, you know, you can rain anytime, you know, and I mean, it's, oh, it's beautiful today. Oh, it's, you know, it's a hurricane, and oh, it's beautiful again. And so it's not a point that there's any timer on as far as when it's going to rain, but he says, but look at the farmer, just the, the patience that that farmer has. To know that basically two times of the year, I'm going to have some good rain, and that I'm going to be able to to to, continue, to go out there and, and take back the, the fruit of what my labor is. I'm pouring into this thing, and I'm going to be able to, to come back, and I'm going to be able to go. So just as the farmer has that, that patience, Verse 8, it starts off, it says, you also be patient. I kind of like it in the King James, it says, be ye also patient. It's kind of like a little command there. Be ye also patient. Just like that farmer's being patient. In verse 8, James says, look, you, be you also patient. You also look at these things of what's going on in your life and, and you apply this to your life that you be patient. The second thing that he tells them there, he says, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts, it's to strengthen, it's to to make firm, it's to to render constant. It's it's, strengthening your heart and you're you're building it up and you're you're getting encouraged and you're you're like, you know what, I can't do this, how am I going to do this? Well, well, how do we do that? Well, the first thing that you need to do is you need to focus on Him and not the world and the things that are around you. You know, you start getting focused on, man, I need to have that new car. Or I need to have that bigger house, right? I need to have these certain kind of clothes. I can't wear that kind of clothes because I got to wear this kind of clothes. And you start looking at the things of the world. Well, now, now you're, you're just unsettled within yourself. Why? Because now you're looking at that and you're not looking at the Lord and saying, Lord, thank you for the things that you've just given me today. I thank you for the house that I've got or the, the, the shack that I've got or the lean-to that I've got. I thank you for the, the car or the bicycle or, or whatever the mode of transportation that I have. I thank you for that. Because I know there's some that don't have anything at all. You've provided my needs for me today and, and I'm not focused on those things. Once you do that, man, you're, you're off, you're off, you're gone. Same thing you need to do and these are the four these are the last four of the four things that you need to have to have a victorious Christian life, okay? The first one is prayer. You just need to pray every single day. Every day. And kind of be like Enoch also. Just, just walk with the Lord every day. Just as you're walking along and you're, you're just going through experiencing things in life, you're just talking and you're conversing to God and you're, you're laying out your heart to Him. You're praying for others as it comes up. I mean, you just have that relationship with God and you have that fellowship with God and you're just praying with Him. The second thing is you need to consistently read your Bible. I mean, it's just, these are not rocket science things where you're like, wow, I've never heard that before. No, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna follow God, shouldn't you know who God is? I mean, shouldn't you understand if you say, hey man, I believe in the Bible. Well, what, it, I've never read it, but I mean, I believe in it. You know, well, how? How do you, how do you, when I talk up here, you need to go home and go, 
did Kevin really get this right? Let me read chapter 5 myself. Let me do some of my own study. Let me look at this thing. You know, what, what, he talked about that, patience. Man, I don't know about patience if he used the right Greek word there. Get, do that. Get into your word and you study it and you know who this is and you know who God is. And you read consistently through the whole counsel of God. Don't just pick a couple of little books that you like. Well, I really like Philippians. I can't wait till we get in Philippians. Like, or I really like this. No, get in. Read all of it. We're in Judges right now, and Judges is just a rough book. There's some whacked out stories in Judges. I mean, you know, people come in, they're non-believers, and they go, "Well, did you read Judges?" I'm like, "Yeah, I agree, man. It's weird. And some of the stuff that happens in there, I, I don't understand it. Like, God, how could you allow that to happen? That is just." How, how could the society at that time? Well, it's because you know they just they lived how they wanted to live. They did what was right in their own eyes. And then you start looking at today, and you're like, well, it looks a lot like today too, doesn't it? We got to read your word. You have to understand your word. You have to fellowship with other believers. You need to hang around with other people that are followers of Jesus Christ. Again, it, like I said last week, it doesn't mean that you don't have any friends that are not Christians. I didn't say that. Okay, that's not what it said last week as well. But you, you have to have your, your main people be Christians. Why? Because you're like-minded. And it, it is so much easier to come upon another Christian and believer and say, man, I'm, man, what's going on? And you're just able to pour into each other's lives. And then you need to witness. And witness doesn't mean go getting a soapbox down at the movie co or whatever and, and standing up there and, you know, or holding that sign like the guy does that, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that, but it means living your life out as a Christian, being a witness, living it out so that people look at it and go, well, I've seen Christians before, but you're a little bit different of a Christian. What's going on with you? Well, this is what's going on in my life. And you give your testimony and then you invite them to church and you invite them to opportunities and Good Friday and, and First Friday on Friday nights at the Haskins. So it's a little bit maybe more informal to have conversations. And you know what I mean? So there's, there's opportunities for you to have a witness within your community without having to be that guy. Now, some people are that guy where they're like, no, dude, give me the soapbox. I'm ready. Let me do it. Each of us has our own talent and our ability, but the point is that you need to do those things. The first thing is you need to not be captured by the world, but then you just need to live the normal Christian life. Pray, read, fellowship, witness. Those are the things that you need to do. And that establishes your heart. Why? Because now I've become one with the Lord. And as we talked about you know, months ago when I talked about um, God is love, Again, remember, God is not, it's not a characteristic of his that he's love. He is love. And if I'm his child, and, and as I'm with, I should be then love as well. And God's, God who he is comes inside of me, and that's, that's just how we do. And well, I don't get that love verse on my own. I get it by, by knowing who he is and, and seeing the grace and the mercy and how he continues to look over his children and provide for his children. Well, then that now becomes who I am. That's how I establish my heart so that when things arise within my life, I'm able to go back to the Word. And I'm able to go back to the understanding of who I know that Jesus Christ is. And I go, no, 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 no. That's not the Jesus that I know. You can say those things, but those things are wrong. Why? Because this is what Scripture says. And these are the things that I've seen within my life. And these are the things that I've seen within other people's life. So the thing that you're saying is wrong. Why? Because I'm established and I know who Christ is. He says, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The patience that you get to have within your own life is, is, is a lot like Joseph in Genesis, as he was first a slave under Potiphar, okay? He was a slave under Potiphar. Then he was cast into jail incorrectly, 
Okay, then he doesn't get released from jail when he thinks he's going to get released, and then eventually he gets released from jail. So that the patience that you see within Joseph's life is is unbelievable. You know that that he 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 continued to 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 not sin against God. You know I I can't do those things with you, Potiphar's wife. Why? Because I don't want to. You know my master, but then also I don't want to sin against the Lord. So again, the, the patience that we must display within our life is because there's a there's a steadfast and there's a witness that we see within Joseph's life. Do you realize if Joseph had left any time earlier, Israel is gone. There, there is no Israel. His family is gone. They die in the famine. I mean, do you guys understand the purpose behind that? Joseph doesn't understand it at the time. We don't understand at the time of the, the struggles that we go through and the things that we go through in our life because if Joseph leaves early, what's the first thing he's going to do? Man, I'm going back to see my dad. I miss my dad and my, I, not so much my brothers right now, but I really miss my dad, you know, and I'm going to get them, you know, I'll tell you that right now, but, but I want to see my dad and my, my little brother. Well, then he's not there for Pharaoh when he has the dream and he's able to interpret it. And then he sees that entire area from the famine. So sometimes the things that go on within our life and the, uh, the way that he had established his heart is that he had a faith and he had a confidence when in who God was to be able to say, you know what? No, that's, that's, I'm going to stay the course. I'm not going to give in to the, the temptations that are within my life right now. Why? Because I'm a follower of God and I know that he's got a plan within my life. James reminds him that we have a hope that's within Jesus returning as we move on going back into verse eight. It says, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 7, but says, but, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Christian, at any moment since the, since the time when Jesus left, the, the disciples, the, those that have the apostles afterwards, have all been waiting for this moment. It's, it's imminent. I mean, right now, Kevin could not finish his, his sermon. We could be out of here. You know, it, it's, it's, it's that quick. So from the very beginning, even through the last 2,000 years, people have been waiting for it to happen and, and writing earnestly. Peter here says, look, it, it could happen right now. It's, it's imminent. It's going to happen. The coming of the Lord is at hand. We see it with Peter. We see it with James here writing, Jesus' his brother. I mean, James has an understanding, and he saw his, his brother leave, and he's like, man, he, he can come back at any moment. I mean, for the, for the Lord is coming at hand. It's, he's at hand. It's not saying that, you know, sometime he might come back. I mean, there, there's a, there's an emphasis here to understand that he's, he's really expecting, look, the struggles that you're going through, man, they're not going to last long. Why? Cause, man, my brother's going to come back at any moment. I mean, we could be out of here and, and those rich people, man, that's going to be their judgment on them. I mean, that's the way that he's writing this book. It's the way he's writing this chapter. He's saying, look, I'm telling you right now that it's that important. We see Paul writing it as well, and to the Thessalonians, he talks in, in, in I think it's First Thessalonians five. He talks about the, you know, the, the rapture that's going to happen. You know, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be caught up with Jesus. That he also says, that, you know, it's like a thief in the night. We don't know. All these people come out. Oh, it's going to be June fourth, You know, you have no clue. Why? Because because then we would all know. It's it, it's a thief in the night. You don't know when a thief is going to break into your house. Jesus the same way is just gonna, he's gonna come, we're gonna be out of here, and then the clock is on. Things are happening. That's how quick it's gonna happen. But I'm telling you, the important part is this, is that it's going to happen. I mean, so many times we as Christians live in our life and we walk through our life and we just, we just do things. Why? Because we don't really believe that that's gonna happen. 
We don't believe that there's a hell. If you believe that there was a hell, I'm telling you right now, your witness and your willingness to be just offended by people saying, hey, look, don't tell me about that. Well, I'm just telling you, man, hell is real. You're going to spend eternity there. And I love you, man. I don't want you to go. I mean, you understand your witness in life and your urgency to be able to tell other people. A couple of years ago, I talked, there was a book that this guy, every second, somebody dies. It's a good chance that every second somebody goes to hell. Just like that. Damnation. And as you start listening to that click, all of a sudden you're like, there's there's people dying everywhere right now in Sarasota and, and their 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 destiny is is fulfilled at that moment they're a believer in Jesus Christ man they're they're heaven oh man god how's it i can't believe i'm here and they're just they're just oh my goodness i can't i, I it's real i'm here i can't believe it it's, it's Jesus and, and, and there's God and the unapproachable light is you get to come towards it. Why? Because, well, now that I'm clean and I'm in heaven and I'm not a sinner anymore, I can come into the presence, the real presence of God. But then there's the other side of that. And there's people who have, who've believed the lie and have, have shut their hearts off to God and they've shut their hearts off to the word and they've said, no, there's no God. Or no, there's many gods. Or there's a God, but there's not your God. I don't like your God because your God judges. I'm sorry, but my God also has provided a way for you to live everlasting life in, with, in heaven with Him. So I look at my judge. My God is not a judging God. I look, He's a loving God. He's a graceful God. He's a merciful God. But Christian, today we need to understand that there there is a real God, and there's a real heaven, and there's a real hell, and that that as James is writing here, the coming of the Lord is at hand. We may not get to Easter. If we get to Easter, you need to make sure your friends and your family understand, man, I, I really want you to come this year. Why? I just, I just want you to be there and I want you to hear the gospel and, and I want you to see that, man, just how much I love you. I just want you to be there with me. Could you, could you please come this week, this year with me? Ah, come, but you know, I'm, I'm not happy. That's fine. Just thank you so much. I, we'll go to lunch. We'll do something afterwards. We'll go get pandabonos at Mitito or something like that. You know, we'll just share time. I just, I just love you, and I, I want you to come to church. I want you to be there with me, because the coming of the Lord is at is at hand. He's at the door, and he's ready to come through. And and where are we doing? We just caught up in the things of life that are going on. Which again, I understand, man. Life is life's crazy and it's busy, but man, there's there's a purpose why we're here. We've been saved and now we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We've got to go and do the work. Remember, it's be the doers of the word. How many times has he said that phrase within this too? Be doers of the word. Go actively out and, and proclaim and, and love others and, and just get rid of your pride and, and just be humble before people. Man, what, what do you need me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm here to help you out today. James looks at his church and then he moves on into verse 9 and he says, Hey, you know, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be, con- be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And he says, look, grumbling is like, stop, stop moaning. Stop sighing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before in your life. My wife definitely has not heard that before. At least not with me. Stop moaning. Stop sighing. 
Remember in chapter 4 we talked about it too, is, is where do wars and where do fights come from? Where do those things come from? It just comes from our pride and our, our mouths and our, you know, just our words. You see that what's happening here is these people are, they're just, they're grumbling. They're just, they're just grumbling, they're moaning, they're sighing. And, and the thing is, is that the rich people, the old landowners, they don't, they don't know that they're grumbling. They don't know that they're sighing. They're out there and they're picking that fruit and I can't believe that guy just ripped us off last week. You believe he ripped us off last week? Yeah. Hey Micah, hurry up, man. You're, you're getting a little slow back there. I'm doing all the work, you know? I mean, I don't want to do all the work and then you get paid the same that I, and so now they're grumbling among each other and see the rich people, they don't even know that they're grumbling. And that thought in my mind is, have you ever worked for a big company is, you know, you never see the big boss. So all the workers, they just complain to each other and then they complain about each other. And, and the management is like, I don't care. You got to sit there and grumble. Just, I don't want to hear it. You know, if I hear it, I'm going to tell you to shut up, you know. And, and so it's the same thing happens with them is that they're just grumbling and they're just moaning and they're sighing and they're arguing with each other. And, and James just says, stop it. Shut up. Stop doing it. Why? Because listen, the same one that's going to condemn them is going to condemn you. He says right there, he says, look, behold, the judge is standing at the door. Listen, for you too, so don't get sidetracked on the politics of work. Don't get sidetracked on the, on, the, on the complaining of the things that are going on with your family or the things that are going on. It's going to stop, stop it. Stop moaning. Stop sighing. Stop getting sidetracked. I mean, the enemy is just like, man, I'm going to get these guys just twisted so that they just can't, they're not just of no value at all for anything that God wants to do in their life. Why? Because they're so stuck on themselves. They're so stuck on the rich people and their boss. And, and so now they're worth nothing at all. And he sits there and says, just stop it. Because listen to me, it's too important. Did you just not hear me? I just said before that the Lord is at hand. He's at the door. And here you are just, just wasting time. Stop it. Shut up. Get back to the things that you need to be doing. Stop moaning. He says, my brethren, look, take, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the, the perseverance of Job and, and seen the, uh, the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. He says, you know, look, and I'm speaking to you Jewish Christians. You guys know the Old Testament. You guys know the scriptures. Why? Well, I've taught most of you guys this thing. And so he says, look, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, you, you need to, to, to stop it. I mean, remember the old prophets that are out there? Remember last week or it was week before we talked about Hosea? You know, he's a prophet and God said, hey, look, go and I want you to get married. And he's like, yeah. And then he says, hey, I want you to go and find a harlot. And he's like, what? You know, I mean, it's just, what are you talking about? I'm going to get married, but I'm going to get married to a prostitute? Well, well, Lord, why do you want me to do that? Well, because, see, I'm going to use your life and as an example of, of the nation of Israel. And so I'm going I'm to use you as the model. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to be that model, though. Lord, can we find something different? I mean, can, like, can you find me, like, a supermodel or something? I mean, uh, you know... I, I don't know. Maybe let's go down that road instead. And he's like, nah, I've got this. I like this idea better. Let's do that. And then she's going to actually, you're going to have some kids and then she's going to cheat on you. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go buy her back from that person. Why? Because I, I still want you to be married. And so what God uses him and then he says that this is just the same thing that I've had to do with, with the people of Israel is you've gone and I've loved you and I married you and then you cheated on me. And then I loved you so much that I went and bought you back. And so he uses him. And then he, you got Jeremiah, one of the old prophets too. Jeremiah, you know, he's got humongous book, okay, in the, in the Bible. I mean, you open it up, there's a good chance you're going to open it up to Jeremiah, right? It's either Isaiah or Jeremiah, maybe the book of Psalms. So anyway, so in that area. So Jeremiah's got this massive book, right? 
And so God calls them and says, look, and I knew you from your mother's womb. And this is the plan I got for your life, Jeremiah. Okay. And so just so you guys don't ever complain about if God asks you to do something, he says, look, Jeremiah, I want, I've got Hosea, I've got Jeremiah. I, I want you to, to go in and be a prophet of mine to, to the nation of Israel. Because, man, I, I love Israel, man. And I just, I want you to go out there and I want you to proclaim and you tell them it. But listen, if you don't do it, man, I'm going to, I'm going to come down on you. I'm just telling you right now, if you don't do these things, I'm doubly coming down on you. And Jeremiah's like, I'm, I'll do it. I, 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 sign me up. I'm ready to go. Okay. But now as you go out, you're going to have no converts. Nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to follow you. And you're going to, you're going to get locked in stocks and, chains and you're going to get thrown in jail and prison and so again you, you want me to do what well no yeah i want you to do that why because well again man i just i love israel and i'm just going to use your life and you got daniel in the lion's den and you've got you know, rashat meshach and abednego and then the fire you've got these these prophets that have gone out and they've just done these wonderful things for god why? Because God had a purpose behind it. And that's what he's talking about too when he gets to, he says, you know, and seeing the end intended by the Lord. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's turn over to Job real quick. You guys were there last week. I brought my cheaters this week so I can actually read it. So Job, that was vicious last week. I couldn't. It's rough when you get old and you have to wear glasses to read. Job 1, verse 20. Siri's going to read it for us. It says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I come into from my, came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Now, just for a background, too, on this prophet who, who, who James is talking about here, Job, man, righteous man, would get up in the mer- early in the morning, would would do a you know a sacrifice for God, and then man, he, he kids, he loved his kids so much, man, he would get up and he would do a sacrifice for them too, just in just in case they've sinned, man, I'm just gonna, I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to take care of them too, I'm going to wash the blood over them, and he just he's just a good man. Well, Satan and, and God have a little duel off, and and and, and Satan takes away all that. And so at that moment, you know, Job could sit there and go, God, again, I, I followed you and I've done everything for you. And, and you, you allow my kids to be taken away. And, and now I've got this, you know, you've taken every, all my money. I mean, what, what, what did I do wrong? God said, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, I just, it was mine and I just wanted to take it back. Well, they go through all of this. And, and so at this moment, you know, and I, I think we give Job a really a hard time, honestly, because I, I would just have a hard time with that as well. So I think we give Job a little bit of a hard time. But at the very end of the book, what happens? Job's restored and he's doubly blessed, right? He has double the money he had before, double the kids he had before. I mean, he's, he's just, the intended thing that, that God wanted to do in his life is he doubly blessed him at the end. Yes, Job, I know you went through this trial and I was just showing Satan who was really God. And, and yeah, I'm sorry, I, I used you as, as the witness here, but I knew you could do it. And, and then in the end intended in there is, man, I, I doubly blessed you. I've provided everything back to you and plus more. And James mentions the, the perseverance and the perseverance here, it, it, it's different than patience. The patience is, is, pass, is passive endurance. You know, passively, you can kind of be patient in waiting for something, correct? I mean, as you go through your life, you can just have patience. A lot of times people who are, are patient, they just call him, oh, he's just, he's just quiet. You know, that kind of person is just quiet because they're, they're just, they're just a little bit more passive. Perseverance is, it's, it's the active determination of a believer 
whose faith triumphs in the midst of afflictions. So you look at Job and you look at his faith that he had in God and the determination of a believer whose faith triumphs in the midst of the afflictions. Again, as we go through these afflictions in life, you know, it's the fact that you need to have this faith to be able to show that you're, it's gonna, it's gonna triumph over. Why? Because I've, my, I've, I've earnestly girded myself within the Lord and I've clung to Him. And as I go through this trial now, Lord, man, it's like that old, you know, two footsteps, you know, sets of footsteps in the sand. And then in those times where it's just the one, why? Because the Lord is just carrying you through it. And as you go through it, you say, Lord, I, I don't want to be anywhere but with you. So if I'm going through this, man, we're, we're going to go into the lion's den, but I'm, I'm going with you, God. I'm going into the fire, but you know what? Lord, I, I'm going with you, God. I'm not going to that fire by myself. And, and man, if, if I get consumed, man, praise the Lord, I'm in heaven. And if not, then I'm, I'm, I'm locked arms with God. Why? Because my perseverance is, is I, my faith is an actively looked with on Him. The Lord is compassionate. He's, He's tender hearted. And there's, that's, that's the, the feeling behind it. He's compassionate. There's a feeling that He has towards you. He hears us and He, and He is moved. And he, he heard Job and he felt the loss of what Job had gone through. There's the compassion that God has for him. Well, then there's also, he's merciful. And that's the action. He says the compassion, there's, there's the, the feeling that he has, and the merciful is the action. And it's the end intended by the Lord. And in this case, Job was doubly blessed in the end. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's, he's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. We talked a couple weeks ago of this. That again, that's just the amount of mercy that he's never ending. You can't out-mercy God. God just continues to come upon you and just and just give you mercy and, and just give you grace. And oh, I just love you guys so much. Just come to me, all you who are weary. Verse 12 and says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, lest you fall into judgment. And just real quick, turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. Matthew 5, 34. Again, I think James has, has heard this somewhere before. Verse 34, it says, But I say to you, Jesus speaking here, it says, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Move down to verse 36, Nor shall you swear by your, your head, because you cannot make one hair on your head, uh, hair white or black. But let your yes be your yes, and your no your no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So as, as James is, is recalling back to what his brother said again, he's, he's looking and going, listen, and it's kind of weird. It doesn't really go with the rest of the, the, the area here, I think. James maybe is, he's, he's kind of talking to them about these things. Just, just one last thing that I want to tell you guys. On, on your mouth. You know, stop, stop making these. Don't add to it. You know, if you say you're going to do something, just do it. You don't have to say no, but really, really, really. Have you ever heard you kids say that? No, really, 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 really this time, you know. Or I, I, I really, really promise to do it. No, just, did you, you're gonna do it or not? Just tell me if you're gonna do it. Just let your yes be your yes and your no be your, you don't have to add anything to it. The thing is, is that sometimes we, we do that 
we, and probably we've all done it at some point, we do that because maybe we've fallen short somewhere within our life where we said we were going to do something. We, we all know people who you just can't kind of count on. You know, they say, oh, yeah, I'll be there. And you're like, man, there's 50-50 chance that he's there. You know, but if he says really, really he'll be there, then he'll, he'll 75% chance. But, but James is saying, look, you know, again, well, the only thing that we have, you're, I mean, you're poor. You have nothing. The only thing you have is your word. You know, my kids sometimes, I, they'll come up and they'll, They'll, they'll have an excuse for something. I'm like, don't don't give me the alibi. Don't don't make up something that you've got. I don't want to hear the alibi. Just just yes or no. I, I'm f- we're fine. Because the alibi just makes it worse to me. I'm like, I don't want to hear an alibi. I don't hear a story. Just I wasn't able to do it. Okay, then you know, I, I trust you. So either you just did it or you didn't do it. I don't even hear some story. Oh, well, you know, the wave from the pool gathered in the house and it pulled everything out. You know, I mean, stop. You know. Just yes, just your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Don't add anything to it. But I, I think the thing today is, is for me is, um, where are you at today? I think, you know, again, as we, we talked about, you know, Jesus is coming back. What does that do for you? Maybe you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, maybe you're somebody that's been, I mean, I can, Kevin, I've been going to church here for three or four years and I've told everybody I believe Jesus, but I, I really, I, I've been, no, it's not me. Maybe you just recently came. I would, I would say today is the day of salvation. You know, again, as, as we walk through life, there's a point where we have to make a decision on what we believe in. You know, and if you heard everything that I said before and you say, yeah, Kevin, that's, that's true. I believe that. I believe that, you know, that Jesus lived a sinful life and I believe that, that he went to the cross and that's what Easter is about. It's not about the bunny rabbits and the things that you're going to see coming up. It's not about the Cadbury eggs, although they are awesome. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with Jesus and him crucified. You know, we're going to come in here on, on Good Friday. It's good because it's good for us. We're going to come in here on Good Friday. We're going to, we're going to do communion. Why? Because we're going to understand that Jesus went to the cross and he died a gruesome death. He was beaten. And he died of suffocation up on the cross. Why? So that he could he could die and then and then make the sacrifice of the blood to way able to wash away our sins to make us clean. And I'm looking at a bunch of sinners in here today. And we all need that blood to be able to wash us clean and to, to, to make us right before the Lord. But that only happens if you invite him into your heart and you invite him into your life. So today, if that's you today, then I'm going to ask, you know, not now, you know, um, please come up after the service and just say, Kevin, I, I, I want that. I, I've been listening to you and Pastor Don for a while and man, I, I, I just, I need to get things right in my life. Listen, if you come up forward and you're like worried that people are going to look at you and don't think that anybody's judging you. Oh, that dude's been here for like five years. What's he going up there to talk to Kevin for? Oh, the new person's up and it has nothing to do. They're, they're, they're thrilled. Do you know if you come before the Lord and you give your heart to the Lord, there's, there's actually a party in heaven. They give a big party in heaven when somebody comes to know Jesus. So please, if that is you today, then I'm asking you to come forward. I'm asking you to give your life to the Lord today. And then as we come into Good Friday and we come into Easter season, that you're like, yes, Lord, I, I completely am there with you. Amen.
hey, thanks for listening. So did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.